Welcome to Bucks Insider presented by Ticketmaster Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith and we got a game to recap a game to look forward to and unfortunately the one to recap was not how we hoped it would go but creamsicle part of it was pretty great. Yeah, sure I feel was. like we got to separate the two things okay, of fair enough. we can talk about what happened on the field, but I want to first talk about the fact that this was our long-awaited creamsicle game. Stadium looked amazing. Jerseys looked amazing. The fans looked amazing. Fans looked so amazing. So many of them came in creamsicle. Oh, it was incredible. I loved it. I mean, look at some of these posts we have. I mean, just wow. everything looked beautiful and shout out of course to our amazing photographers wow. and look at that uh, it was a beautiful beautiful day perfect weather and the stadium just the graphics <laughs> the whole digital team the cheerleaders, the cheerleaders. I mean it was the whole, that's what I loved is we didn't just do the jerseys we also did the whole thing the stadium this is funny if people haven't seen this clip that this is Tristan Wurst talking to Sewell about Sewell was saying hey let me get that jersey and for people who don't know a lot of times players will trade jerseys with each other at the end of the game you know they have a bunch from different people and Tristan's like Nah, man. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping this. There's I, no way. I got a story about it. Did you hear Levante when he was talking before the game? No. So he's the only one who had played in oh, right. uh, a creamsicle before uh, on the team because 2012 was the last game and he's the only one that was on the team then. And he, they asked him if he kept his jerseys. Like, I was young then. I didn't realize you were allowed to keep your jerseys. Oh, And so no. he didn't. And then a couple years later, he asked for it. He said they'd already given them away. So he said, this time, I'm definitely yeah, keeping I am, my jersey. Yeah, I'm so glad you got a chance to be here for it. <laughs> yeah. That would have been so sad. Um, but yeah, so that all just looked incredible. We, uh, we loved seeing everybody out on their creamsicle stuff. So um, now let's get to the less fun part of the <laughs> what happened on the field. Yeah. Uh, we know that, man, the Lions are a great team, but sure. we also know that there was a lot that the the Bucks knew they could have done differently or better in that game. Um, it just it did feel like there were so many missed opportunities that, and I'm sure you can say this about a lot of games, but in this one it just felt like if just this had gone a little differently, or you know I, I think especially about the the Baker play and you know the fact that Mike was. Well, we're seeing these missed ones to Trey here. Mm -hmm. There were two of them, and I know Baker felt disappointed, frustrated by these after the game. He said so several times. Uh, the uh, the, the one though that really turned things was the tip pass where mm -hmm. Mike Evans was seven yards behind the defense and the last defender was looking in the wrong direction. So yep, there that was. Yeah. So and it ends up being an interception and three points the other way. It might have been seven points the other way. You can do this obviously after every loss mm -hmm. and it's cliche. But the long and the short of it is that the Buccaneers had their worst offensive performance of the season felt frustrated and mad about it afterwards but also felt like they know what was there mm -hmm. and what could have been and what what can be fixed and what what this offense is capable of doing so it, it always you always feel like a certain way after one game after the New Orleans Saints game where he scored more than 20 points on them for the first time that anyone had in more than a year you felt wow this thing's really clicking we're doing all kinds of different things there, there's a lot of variety in this offense and then after this one you're like wow what's wrong with the offense are we doing too much Should we right. simplify and Baker said this this week yesterday said no it's not a matter of simplifying it's just execution the mm -hmm. play calling's fine had we hit a few of those plays nobody would be talking about the play calling right now right yeah that's a very good point and we <clears> saw again a couple of those were to Trey Palmer uh, what do we see yeah. about the role because I mean we've always known Mike Evans Chris Godwin yeah. those are your your, right. your guys but we've seen Trey Palmer's gotten some touchdowns you know preseason and regular season he's made some big plays so what are we thinking that his role could be in this offense I think you're seeing him become more and more the number the primary third receiver and, and you can see that in the snap counts and the targets from the last game he had 37 offensive snaps and there weren't a ton 
because the time of possession was so lopsided. So 37 was a lot. Uh, I think Devin Tompkins had 14. Trey Palmer had seven targets to two for Devin Tompkins. And this is nothing about Devin Tompkins. I'm just saying it appears to be like Trey Palmer is becoming your obvious third receiver and getting a lot of looks. Mm -hmm. And it didn't go great. As we saw some of the missed ones, he was targeted seven times and only caught two of them. But those two were two of the Bucks three plays that went for over 20 yards. So mm -hmm. he's a guy that the volume hasn't been huge yet in terms of how many catches he gets per game, but a lot of his plays have been big plays. And yeah. as he gets more and more time on the field and more and more looks, we should see more of that. Great. And someone else, of course, we saw more of, Kalijah Kansi, yeah. a guy that, man, I was so excited to see what he was going to look like because he'd already shown us once this year that he could be injured for a while and come back looking great, that right. he did that in his 11 snaps <laughs> yeah. against Minnesota after missing a lot of training right. camp. So then they have to pull him out again. He missed more time. And I was like, is he going to be able to do this again where he comes back and gets a, a sack in his first career game that he plays the whole time and I just feel like he looks like he was ready to hit the ground running as you know especially considering he's a, a rookie and has well, missed so much time I mean you say that but he said he was rusty coach Bulls, I will take that if that's him that's rusty. my point yeah. coach Bulls says the same thing he's got some rust to shake off he's got some detailed techniques to iron out but in the the time that he's played and this includes those 11 snaps nine of which were pass rush snaps in uh, in that Minnesota game in the time that he's played, of all the defensive tackles or interior defensive linemen in the league, this is their the top guys in terms of pressure rate. That's how wow. many times they've court, uh, pressured the quarterback on among their pass rush snaps. That's a really high percentage. I mean, Jalen Carter, everybody's raving about him this yeah. year. And Kalijah, it's a smaller sample. Don't don't get me wrong. Sure, yeah. uh, Jalen Carter has about four times as many snaps as Kalijah does. But the pressure rate is very promising right, right off the bat, and especially again, coming when, off injury, being yeah. a rookie. I think that that's very fair, even yeah. if it is for for less snaps. No, it's it's an impressive start, and it, it makes us, you know, kind of optimistic about what's going to happen there with him next to Vita Vea. Mm -hmm. At some point, defenses are going to have to choose, you know, pick your poison. Who are you going to? Who are you going to double team? Yeah. Probably most of the times you can't double team them both. Yep. And so we're talking about him bringing pressure. How about Baker Mayfield <clears throat> under pressure? What have we seen from him in this area? And just in general, I mean, I already feel like our offensive line has done a really great job in terms of pass protection with him. But we've seen that in the times that he is under pressure, he's really made some impressive plays. Yeah. And and to be more specific, the tackles, Tristan Worst and Luke Gedeke have really done a great job in pass protection. When there's been breakdowns, they've mostly been up the middle, and that's usually the hardest thing for a quarterback to deal with is that quick pressure right in his face. Baker Mayfield's numbers under pressure this year are kind of insane, and I, they probably can't last because league-wide, if you get pressure on the quarterback, it's usually a negative play. Okay, this is, look at this thing. EPA. Wow. Do you know what EPA is? Ex expected point. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like war in baseball. It's a, it's a difficult sp stat to explain, but basically, positive numbers for a quarterback are good. If you produce a play that makes it more likely likely your team will score points, this is total EPA on plays when the quarterback is under pressure. Wow. Every quarterback in the league who started at least two games. Baker's nine plus nine point four. To put that in context, Josh Allen is second at 3.4, and they're wow. the only two guys over in, in wow. positive territory. Tua's, Tua Tungvaloa is having a great season, but even he, under pressure, is a little bit worse than normal. Right. That's that number incredible. is insane. I, I honestly don't think that can last. That's that's out of bounds. But so far, Baker's been but yeah, incredible. Through, through five pressure. games, that's yeah. that's pretty incredible. That's amazing. Um, all right, and then now, you know, I know it's easy after a loss to sometimes have a bit of the everything is everything is terrible. Oh my gosh, the sky is crawling, <laughs> chicken little situation. But it is really great to still put into perspective. 
where the Bucks are in the division standings True, at yeah, this point. Right. I know that, again, they, they know they're capable of more than what they've done. But when you look at these division standings here, thankfully everybody else in the division also didn't have a great day <laughs> on Sunday. That was very handy of everybody. We appreciate it. And right. so look at where your Bucks sit. Yeah, you, you came out of the New Orleans game feeling awesome, three and one in first place, had your bye week, came back and unfortunately had that loss. And then you look around and you go, hey, we still, yeah. they, through that whole time, we remained in first place. So there's a big battle coming up this coming Sunday. As you can see, the New Orleans plays tonight. Uh, so we'll know, and the Falcons will know, whether we're trying to stay ahead of them or whether they've dropped back a little bit. They play the Jaguars. So that game on Sunday could be for sole possession of first place. It will be if the Bucks win, obviously. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. So looking at this Falcons team, you know, I, it's always interesting to me how a division team is the one you're supposed to be familiar with. You, you're supposed to kind of know what they do because of how often you play them. It's been different this year knowing, I mean, even just the fact that every team in the division has a new, new quarterback. quarterback yeah. But then you look at the Falcons, not only do they have a new quarterback, but they have B. John Robinson running back. They've got all these new guys on defense, new Smith. defensive coordinator. I mean, they just have all this new stuff. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what stands out to you about this Falcons team that we'll be facing. Well, they and, and Coach Bowles and, and a couple of guys were talking about this yesterday. They've added some guys like you were mentioning on offense, like B. John Robinson, obviously, obviously John Smith, the tight end. Uh, Hollins, the receiver, Scotty Miller, the former Buccaneer. Mm -hmm. So they can do a lot more stuff than last year when they were basically the most run-heavy team in the league among teams that didn't have a, a running quarterback. And um, <clears throat> this year they still they could do a lot more, but they still run the ball and present heavy sets a lot more often than every other team in the league. And to, to explain this, you know, but if maybe every listener out there doesn't know um, what 11 and 12 and 21 means, that formula is the first number is the number of running backs and the second number is the number of tight ends. And then that's out of five because you have five eligibles on every play. So the, the, the number you don't display in the middle would be the receiver. So 11 would be one, three, one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one, 11 personnel means three receivers, which has become the dominant package in the NFL. Almost every team runs the majority of their plays out of 11 personnel. The Falcons are by far the lowest in that. The next team on the list is 37%. Wow. So they don't show a lot of three wides. What they do show a lot of is uh, 12 would be two tight ends, 21 would be two running backs, and 22 would be really heavy two tight ends and two running backs right. and just one receiver. If you look at that, that's what, about 70-something percent of their plays are out of these heavier packages. Hmm. And they tend to run uh, most of their run plays to the outside of the tackles. So I was talking to Levante about this uh, shameless plug on um, Salty, Salty Dogs. dogs. Please that. take a listen. That's what we're here for, hey, all of man, our shameless plugs. We felt it was quite a get, a get that to is get a, Levante. That is a get. It, in fact, it was with no warning either. We just found him in the lunchroom and we're like, would you be Would you mind? And of course, Levante will guys. always say yes. Levante it, is just like the good guy award every year. It was a great interview. If you don't care about the rest of Salty Dogs, listen to it just to hear Levante talking. But um, he was talking. I asked him, "Who's the key? Who are the key defenders when you're talking about a team that runs almost all of their running plays outside the tackles?" And he said, "Us, me, mm -hmm. the linebackers, because they have to diagnose quickly and take the right angles and get to the edge." And as I told him in this interview, I'm like, when I picture a Levante David highlight in my head, I picture him in the Falcon Stadium 
making those plays where they're diagonal to the outsides mm -hmm. of the plays and getting to the guy and knifing through the defense and dropping that guy two yards deep. So hopefully we'll have a vintage Levante performance because it's going to be important against this rushing attack. And man, what a game he had against the Lions as it we talked so about good. some of the things that were the struggles in that game. Levante stacked that stat sheet. He sure did. He was everywhere yeah. and it was funny. We had, again, if we want to do another shameless plug, we had Antoine Winfield Jr. on oh, our yeah. show this week and we were asking him about Levante and he was like, he's so consistent. And he said, and for him to be the kind of consistent he is at this point in his career, because we talked about the fact that typically with players, you either have like the youth on your side for your physical abilities, your speed, your hip mobility, all that stuff, or you've got the savviness of, of a vet and knowing the game. And he was like, Levante is one of the few people that just somehow seems to have both at the same time. I'm not going to spoil it because I want people to go listen yeah. to it, but he talks about all that exactly. I love that. So, it's amazing. Really, Antoine you, shouted it out and then Levante gets to explain it. If you want to hear a player talk about that process how to do that. and how he's still playing so well at, in his 12th season, yeah. please go listen to that interview. It's really good. That's amazing. I love that. Um, all right, and then we'll close with this. Our rookies went to Moffitt. I just always love highlighting this stuff, all the different community efforts that everybody does, and they visited with a lot of the patients over there, which is just so great. And, you know, after recent years there was a lot of times with covid that they couldn't actually visit patients very well and it is so nice to see them back over there at moffitt getting a chance to say hi to all these people and our rookies are such a great group and just had so much fun with everybody and they're playing games with all the Aww. kids and <laughs> i just love that that it's always good to keep in perspective after a loss that there is still so much that this team is doing in the community and how much joy they're bringing a lot of these people and so i just think that's a Lovely thing to keep in mind, and look how fun our oh, rookie yeah, class is. I know, right? I was like, I think we need to throw him out there with a. We should have thrown him out there with the swashbucklers <laughs> last game. Put on some moves. Uh, now we know why he's a good pass rusher. You know, right. he's got moves. Yeah, he's got moves. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider, presented by Ticketmaster. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next time.